0: 4月26日。I've only seen little bits of it. I haven't seen the whole thing put together. Uh-huh. So, so yeah, tomorrow
1: will be the first. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you very much. 映画を超えたライブ放送 Impalus, Josie Lucas, Super Live Adventure
0: everywhere. Welcome to episode number 305 of Blast Points. This is Jason. And this is Gabe. And boy, do we have a treat for you this week. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you know we're a little crazy about the George Lucas Superlive adventure. Yeah, we've been known to spend a little bit too much time thinking about it, talking about it, watching clips on YouTube... Laying in bed at night, being envious that Jason has the tour program somewhere, probably next to his bed. <laughs> it's actually right next to me right now as I'm talking. <laughs> I can, the pages flipping through the pages. Oh, yeah, I hear them. Well, and if you're not familiar with the George Lucas Super Live Adventure, if you just start listening to the show, it is before you get listening further. It is a live show that toured through Japan that was a tribute to the films of George Lucas, except for THX 1138 at that time, where it was live performances of Indiana Jones, Willow, Tucker, American Graffiti, and Star Wars. And it is absolutely phenomenal. It is one of the, the most beautiful and bizarre things that's ever happened in Star Wars Lucasfilm history. It's almost been forgotten by time there's a ton of merch out there there's videos on youtube we are obsessed with it and we got to talk to the incredible lee Whitaker, who portrayed luke skywalker in the george lucas super live adventure yeah just let that sink in a little bit he is amazing this what you're about to listen to is incredible it Blew our minds with information about Super Live Adventure that we never knew. And just hearing from someone who actually was there and was a Star Wars fan and was Luke Skywalker in what was was it, 1993? Yeah, yeah. Like the first Luke Skywalker after Mark Hamill. Maybe the technically kind of the only Luke Skywalker live action after Mark Hamill. Yeah, until what probably now with... uh, obi-wan kenobi and the the kid playing little luke we are just so happy we got to talk to lee whitaker and i don't know i should we just should we roll the interview should we have folks listen to us talking to super live adventure luke skywalker yeah i think let's just get into it all right here we go here we go folks dreams do come true don't they as anakin said
1: So how did you guys end up
0: fighting it? That is a really good question. So, we're, so yeah, we're kind of obsessed with the George Lucas Super Live adventure. We've done a bunch of episodes on it. And I think it was... Oh, so a friend of mine a couple years ago got me the program from the shows in Japan. Oh, wow. And wow. we were just looking through it, just like obsessing over every page. And we saw your picture in it. And we were like... Who is that? And also we watch, we I think during like during like the worst of COVID, we did a commentary on the super live adventure that's on YouTube. And we were just loving you and your performance. And we just got obsessed. We were like, who is that? And we tracked you, and we were like, we we're like, what would it hurt to track him down and see what would see what he would say? And and here we are.
1: That's really cool, man. That's really cool. Um, I, I can say this, man, that moment and journey in my life and I'm pretty much almost can guarantee everybody that was in that show feels the same. That was a bucket list
0: that nothing can compare to, you know what I mean? Well, how did I guess we'll get into stuff here. How did that come about? Like you were fairly young, I'm assuming, when that happened, yeah?
1: Oh yeah, man, I had just turned I was nineteen. I was nineteen when I auditioned for it, and then when we actually started rehearsals,
0: I just turned twenty. So I was a wee man. <laughs> and were the auditions in the U.S.? Was it in Japan? Like how did how did that all go? There was three different
1: auditions for it, and um, in three different states. It started in Los Angeles. Los Angeles had their first audition, and then it went to New York. And then um, I think it was New York or Chicago. I think it was New York. Yeah, it was New York. And then it came down to Florida, Orlando. And I literally had just started, you know, I think I was like a year in training into stunts and everything like that. And, you know, everybody that I was working out with training, they're like telling, oh, George Lucas is doing the Super Live Adventure show. There's an audition. It's this weekend. Um, you know, you got to go. And so that's kind of how it happened. It was a three-day audition. There was over like 800 uh, – I think it was over 800 people auditioning just in Florida for the show. And there were the same numbers in like L.A. It was like 1,200 people and then New York was a big number as well. But a lot of – you know, so it was my first audition. I literally with pencil wrote my resume and had a Polaroid. <laughs> I mean, dude, wow. I was just like – I was a baby, I had no idea. you know what I mean. It was the first thing I ever auditioned for, and actually, they had casted somebody else uh in l a as luke and so as months went by after the audition, all my friends were getting calls and getting the get some you know were getting the jobs and stuff like that and I didn't hear anything i I don't think I heard anything for six months after my audition and then I got a phone call and they offered me the job. I almost threw up on the phone because I was so nervous and I just couldn't believe what was happening. They're like, oh, so do you need some time to think about it? I'm like, no, I'm, 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 yes, I'm, yeah, I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> Ready to go.
0: When you were like auditioning and stuff, how did they describe to you what the show was going to be or what, 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 what would be needed of you? So he, here's how they, they pitch
1: it. Basically it's um, this is the 20 year anniversary of George Lucas's films. And, and Kenneth Feld was putting on the show in correlation with Lucas and Lucasfilm and, and all this stuff. So their pitch was: "We're doing a show. We're going to do a live show. It's a three-hour show that is a you know commemorating all his movies into one live show, like Willow, Indiana Jones, you know, Tucker, American Graffiti, Star Wars, blah blah blah, all in a live show." And it was the first live show in history that was a twenty-five million dollar live show with lasers and animals and massive stage. And at the time, um, the only, the only place or country that had arenas big enough that could hold the stage was in Japan at that time.
0: And that's why we hit Japan first. So when you were auditioning at that point, they, had they not decided on Japan yet? Like, did you not even know where it was going to be? No, it was
1: Japan. So they they were going to start. They were going to start the thing in Japan and see how it was going to go and decide if they
0: were going to continue it or discontinue it or whatever. So okay. So you get you say yes to the role. Like then what? Now you you say you're you're 19. What was the next step after that?
1: So the next stage was okay. Um, rehearsals. Rehearsals start in the new year. I think it was Jan. Um, or is it December? I don't even remember, man, so long ago. Um, but that was going to be in Charlotte, North Carolina. That's where rehearsals were going to take place for like six to eight weeks or whatever it was going to be. And um, and then from there, there'll be a small break. And then everybody will then reconvene in Shin-Yokohama, Japan. And then we'll start our tour of Japan. And then we do uh, multiple different countries, in, or excuse me, uh, states in Japan. And that was, I mean, that was my first job. Job, The first entertainment job was this show. You know what I mean? I mean, talk about bucket list, man. As a kid growing up, playing with the action figures and seeing the movies and freaking out. And, you know, I always, always want to be Luke Skywalker. You know what I mean? So for me to actually be Luke Skywalker and, and be a part of something that's this scale was just mind blowing. You know, so when we showed up in North Carolina, man, I was just all by everything. You know what I mean? And they just had the best of everything. I couldn't believe we had real lasers in the show. You know what I mean? Like, their laser guns really fired lasers. My lightsaber actually lit up unlike they do in the film, you know?
0: Yeah, that was actually something we wanted to ask about. Is The lightsabers seemed pretty high-tech for the time because, like, they didn't really start, you know, filming the movies with, like, light-up ones that you could actually do action with until the, the recent films. Like, what was that like as far as um, making that work? That was an incredible – I mean, when you see
1: it, it's, it's amazing, right? But it's, it's fiber optic lasers. And so my sword was acrylic tube and it was, you know, polished on the inside. So when you basically open the gate of the saber, you're allowing the, the fiber optic lasers to come through and it just scatters light all through the, the acrylic tube. Um, and they had to use acrylic because we're banging this. Sh- Can I swear on this thing or no?
0: Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. We're having yeah. a party here. We're having fun. Yeah,
1: yeah. We, we'd bang the shit out of each other. So they wanted to make sure it wasn't some kind of material that was just going to break after one hit. You know what I mean? So that that's kind of how it lit up. However, the downside of this is there's a tether that's attached to your saber, and if you watch back now in the YouTube videos and you look really close you can see the cable that's attached to the sabers. So when we were rehearsing, B.H. Uh, Barry was our fight choreographer, for amazing man. Um, and we would have ropes like strings uh, tied to our, our Kempo swords and stuff like that and our sticks when we were practicing. So he would have to design the fight so that when we get into each move, as we came out of it, we'd have to come out of it because otherwise the cable would get caught and twisted around you. So as you're fighting, twisting up in cable, you have to fight, unwind that same cable at the same time. It was, it was crazy. It was so hard. Wow. Um, and then the lasers, we didn't, they didn't even light up during our rehearsals. So the whole time, they just couldn't get it to work. It was you know They're breaking you know, ground with this kind of technology and putting it in a live show. So the first time my saber ever lit up was in Japan in my first show. Like even the rehearsals in Japan, even our dress rehearsals, my saber never lit up. The first time it ever lit up was in front of a live audience with George Lucas sitting in the audience. man! Thank got it worked. You know, but Kevin Stilwell was my Darth Vader and, you know, just an amazing, amazing human being, amazing performer. And we would practice so much that we got to the point during rehearsals we could close our eyes slowly do the fight and uh the fight choreographer would say okay freeze open your eyes and we'd be exactly where we needed to be i mean it was just in our blood at that point point. and then the first time so we're gonna we had to do this promo right um this was during the rehearsals in, in north carolina it's towards the end of the rehearsals and it's getting towards the end so they would channel whatever it was local news came out to you know do a little promo shoot on it stuff like that so i remember being escorted i got into my costume and everything like that and you know a handler came and got me uh, from my green room and was walking me down and it was in a, a it was in an arena um the one in charlotte north carolina but the only i think half the stage would fit in there but anyways we're walking down the corridor and then i'm not kidding you not right from the left of me as i'm walking towards the stage another handler had grabbed vader and pulled him out and this is the first time i saw him full costume like darth vader just walked out of a room (laughs) and just came up next to me and we're walking together we're being escorted together to the stage and kevin and i uh made a pact with each other that when we were the characters we we never would speak to one another because i didn't want to hear his voice because it would it would just blow the i don't know what do you say the mirage of the fantasy of, of being in the moment you know what i mean because if you don't sound like james earl jones you're not darth vader you're gonna ruin it <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> So it was just surreal—the quiet eeriness of just walking down. I mean, I remember having goosebumps on my arms and walking to, the, you know, the stage of doing some cool promo stuff with them. It was really cool.
0: It had to have just felt so surreal because literally, you're you're like the first person to be Luke Skywalker since Mark Hamill, yeah. like in front of people, and yeah, like it's, you're 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 19 years old. I don't know. That's just it's so insane to think about. So
1: insane. Still to this day, I'm like I kick myself. You know what I mean? It's honestly the one of the greatest highlights of my life you know what i mean and i'm sure for mark it's probably the same thing you know what i mean and being able for him to to come back in the new star wars and, and kind of look in that i'm sure that was an amazing experience for him as well
0: after north carolina you go to japan had you been to japan before like what was that no. what was that like again you know a 19 20 year old kid what was that like Culture shock.
1: absolute culture shock. But I embraced every nanosecond of it. It was just absolutely amazing. I fell so in love with the Japanese culture. I never experienced anything like that in my life. I would never been outside of the States. So that was my first trip. And, you know, obviously it's a place where, you know, at the time, that's 1993, you know, they didn't speak a lot of English. You know what I mean? Um, A lot of people could speak it, but because of their honor system, like they have so much self-honor. They wouldn't speak it unless they were, like, really good at it, like pros at it speaking English. So you kind of had to learn Japanese really quick, (laughs) you know what I mean, Um, which was cool. And they're such respectful people, man, and it's such a clean city. It was just just absolutely amazing, man. And I've been back, I don't know, four or five, six times since then, and I just – I look forward to the next time I get to go back, you know.
0: So, with the show, was it like, did all the cast, did you guys all stay in the same hotel or like? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> Man, there's so many crazy stories about that first hotel. Because <laughs> we, you know, when we first got there, we had one show. We were, for the first month, I think it was, we only had one show a day. Mind you, it's a three hour show. Which was great, and we our shows were at night, so it'd be like seven thirty at night is your show. You got to be there like an hour and a half or whatever before show. So you know, you do your show three hours, and then you got that night, and then all day the next day, you know, to do whatever and get into whatever kind of trouble you wanted to. And I'm not kidding you, man. They had, you know, how we have Coke machines here. Well, they got beer machines, and there's nobody out there checking your ID at a beer machine. You're putting in tokens, man, and you're getting out some really big pints. <laughs> you know, so we had a lot of fun, and I remember so many times in that first hotel, you there could be some some shenanigans running around those hallways. I and mean, all of a sudden, I remember one time. I mean, I'm not going to tell you how it happened, but uh, one of our little persons, <laughs> uh, there's a you know the lobby of the hotel. There's a ding, and then all of a sudden the doors open, and uh, he's there. In his birthday suit. Oh, no. <laughs> they were crazy.
0: Was there someone from the show kind of like, you know, a manager or someone trying to like handle everyone? Or was it just there were just too many people to keep track of?
1: I mean, yeah, there, we had a stage manager at work. But, you know, we don't have like a chaperone. We're all grown, grown adults. We don't have a chaperone, you know, watching over us left and right at the hotel. When all the shenanigans, were <laughs> you know what I mean? But, you know, and then I got into rollerblades. A bunch of us got into rollerblades, and, you know, we would literally, at the end of the show, we'd go to the beer machine, get some backpacks, buy some
0: pints, start drinking, and rollerblading all through the city, man. And we just saw the whole city skating. It was amazing. Wow. Was everybody kind of your age or around in that ballpark?
1: Well, no, I think I was. I think I was the youngest, or there might have been one other person slightly younger than me. But everybody else was like, you know, mid twenties, twenty five and up. I think the oldest person at the time was mid thirties. You know, but they're all. Everybody was pretty young. Man, I'm telling you, man, I I tell you, I, I, I can't even. The first time seeing the the Millennium Falcon fly in blew my mind. Like we had, like you look, when you look at the stage, it's massive, and you have those the big stormtrooper doors, imperial doors, right? These doors would open. Well, backstage up on lifts, I mean, they got all these motorized winches, right? Well, the Millennium Falcon would fly in from up. That's like I think it was sixty something feet up. And it would fly in. Landing gear would come down. You got CO2 coming out. Lights are on. Oh, dude, it was amazing.
0: Yeah, because that was like something special about the show, were all those inflatable sets, right? That that was like the only way they could get the sets that big and and do the changes that quickly was to just inflate them.
1: That's it. You know, especially when you're going from city to city or whatever like that, but breaking them down. I mean, the inflatables were great. I mean, Jabba the Hut. I mean, he was an inflatable. You know, the Millennium Falcon was an inflatable, but. You're in the audience with all the CO two smoke in the rumbling of the seats and sound system. You didn't care. You're like, Holy shit, there's the Millennium Falcon. And they're walking out underneath it. This is amazing.
0: (laughs) 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 Did you see that stuff during the rehearsals, or was the first time you saw that stuff? Was it all in Japan? In
1: Japan. I didn't see the Millennium Falcon until Japan. I think they were still building
0: it. Wow. Yeah. So were there moments that first show when you were seeing everything for the first time? Like, did you like kind yeah. of lo- lose your balance a little bit there because it was like, holy, holy cow. Let's talk about the first show. Let's talk about
1: it. So, you know, you're backstage and you're living for this moment. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, the, the music's playing, and, you know, and you know, Star Wars was the last, you know, act of the show. You know what I mean? So I had done – I've already been in front of the audience because I did all the other stuff leading up to that because we played other characters. But then boom, here comes Star Wars. And I knew Lucas was in the theater. So there was another thing going on in, in my gut. I'm like, holy cow, the, the father of it all is here. You know what I mean? I, I'm up in the rafters basically because I, I come down on a wire first. So I'm up in the rafters and this, the, everything sets up. The tone sets up. The lights change. My double because they had to get a guy coming from the back of the sound stage or back of the arena on a slide for life. That's a, that's a cable, right? That you slide down. And he slides all the way from the back of the arena to the top of the truss. And he'll come all over the, through the truss until the light, lights will fade from him and then come up on me. And then I'll come from the, the top of the truss down. And then I'll use the force and let go. And then I'll glide, hover down to the stage. And so I have a harness underneath. And then I, I had the quick release in my mouth, so I would just pop that quick release and walk around to the front of the stage. And I'm walking around the front of the stage, do my thing, and then all of a sudden, boom, Vader, his saber lights up. And I'm looking at him, and that's the first time I've seen the, the lightsaber light up. So here's Darth Vader on his uh, control uh, uh, on console, right? And that's, I think that's like 12, 13 feet off the ground. And he's also in a harness and on a quick release. And he's talking to me. It's in Jap- Japanese, but that, that didn't matter because I got the music. I got the score, the lighting. And there's freaking Darth Vader with his lightsaber staring at me. He steps off that platform and just hovers down to me, does his quick release. And I'm like, I'm freaking out inside. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I have my saber. As soon as he hits the ground, I light up my saber. It's the first time I've lit up my saber. It's the first time it lit up in my hands, and I look down at it, and I'm—it's glowing so bright, man. My mind is blown, and I'm having a moment. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? And my, yeah. my eyes are starting to water. I'm, I think I'm going to start crying any second, man. I'm freaking out, uh, and all of a sudden I hear this. Psst, hey, you okay?
0: <laughs> um, he dawned on
1: me that <laughs> I'm missing my cue, right? But I didn't care about that. What blew me, What? What? I, I got angry because we made a pact. You don't talk to me. And for him to go, hey, you okay? He broke that fourth wall. I beat the shit out of him, man. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my God. And I, it was hard for me because I'm like, my eyes are full of tears. I'm fighting through that. And I'm mad at him. It was amazing, man! Oh my god, it was so amazing.
0: Was it? Was there any? So George Lucas is there. This is the first night. Was there any kind of like backstage interaction? Did he come back there to like meet meet you guys and everything?
1: Yeah, man! We had to take photos with him after the show. He came. He came backstage after the show, and I was totally geeking out. And I I was very cordial. I didn't say much because I was freaking out. But we did. We did big group photos with the whole cast with him. I got a chance to speak to him backstage briefly, and. And tell him what an honor it was to meet him and to to be this, you know, to be able to portray this character in, in this setting. And it was definitely a dream come true. And he was really very quiet person, very kind of introverted, you know what I mean? Very generous, very nice.
0: Wow. So, okay, that's the first night. First night is pretty epic. How did the show evolve over time with going to the, the different locations?
1: Well... I don't know how long it was, whether it was a, a week and a half or a couple weeks into the show. At the end of our fight, you know, we go down that this platform um, where there's this metal grating kind of thing. And I fight him there and then I, I hit him. And he has to go over the railing, fall down into this pit. And on this pit was a grate. it's a metal grate. And it was a really hard thing to do in that costume. You're six foot four you got all this weight and helmet and all this stuff and you got to go over your your waist bend over your waist grab the railing with your hand swing your legs down and try to land perfectly straight on this grate and then roll out from under that under this the stage right because that's where he's supposed to blow up and die well a couple weeks in he breaks his leg oh no yeah you know, it's one of those things. It was a hard stunt, you know what I mean? And you know, you're landing on metal graining because the light's coming through there. You're blind while you're going in it because the light's beating you in the eyes. And he, he broke his leg. And part of me broke as well that night because we're trying to figure out who's going to replace him. And we had a couple of different replacements. And finally, we, we ended up with getting a guy named Robert Leonard. Um, I think he came out of California. And, you know, we had two subs. While they were looking for him, in between that, um, but when Robert finally came in, you know, he he brought back the spirit of Vader, which was really cool, um, and he did a really fine job. But Kevin Stilwell was just a legend, man. He was the guy. He walked in the room, you you felt it. You know what I mean? He just exuded that persona. So, but you know, as far as to really answer your, your question too, going to different cities, it was epic. You know what I mean. Everywhere we went, it's just you. You look at, you know you come out there before, before and mid. You know during intermission, and you know you got eleven thousand, sometimes sixteen thousand people in the stands, all that went and bought lightsabers during intermission. And so when they come out and before Star Wars starts, you have all these lightsabers lighting up all over the arena, man. It was amazing. It was really cool, and it never got old. It never ever got old, and, and like every day. Every moment, every show, you know, because sometimes for some people, shows get old, you know, you you get tired six months doing the same show, you get tired. Man, I never got tired. I I could have done it forever. man. And I was really sad when it all ended. You know,
0: it's really cool to hear about the crowd response, because that's one thing like we've really only got to see, you know, the actual show and that camcorder footage that exists. And you really can't get a feel for what the crowd was like.
1: Well, it's 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 really challenging because you're also you're in a culture where this culture, you know, when you get on the subway in Japan, it's quiet. You get in the subway in New York City, it's loud. Everybody's talking. They're doing their thing. Japan is different. You know, you're talking about a very uh, quiet culture for the most part. So they're 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 not outwardly expressive people for the most part. At least in 1993. So, you know, it was tough for us in the beginning because they didn't even know when they were they could clap. They didn't know if they're allowed to clap or that they should clap certain things like that. So as a performer, you know, I can get kind of tough. You know, do they like it? Do they not like it? But any time after the show, when you go do meet and greet, man, you're going to be at meet and greet for almost an hour because people want to take photos and get your autograph and all this stuff. So they really did enjoy it a lot. And you know we had almost sellout shows every day, but it wasn't like you hear massive cheering and screams and stuff like that. Like if you were to do that show here, oh man, people go crazy. You know what I mean? Vocally. So that was a little challenging, but it was cool.
0: When you were getting ready, did you ever like uh, did you study like the films? Did you study like Mark Hamill, like Return of the Jedi and stuff or anything? Are
1: you kidding me, man? <laughs> 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 I mean, dude. Like you guys, right? You know how you guys are Star Wars fans, right? Yes. I'm the same as you, man. There's no difference between me and you. I'm I'm the biggest Star Wars geek fanboy that ever existed. You know, I had every toy. I, I quote the whole movies. I, I Countless times that I've seen the movies. So when I went into rehearsals, before rehearsals too, I watched it so many times again. I'm, I'm, I think I almost burned out the VHS back then. You know what I mean? And of course, you know we got there. You know they had us all watch all the films as well. Obviously, there was just three at the time. I, as a kid, I was playing the character already with my buddies. You know what I mean? Like Luke was a part of me always, always. Luke is still a part of me. It'll never leave.
0: So what? Was, so when like looking back, like what what were you like grabbing onto from like the the performance in the first three movies with with Hamill and Luke? His passion.
1: Um, his emotion and his passion, you know what I mean? Like when you look at almost all of them, but you know, the first two, especially because the like return, he became, you know, he was the Jedi at that point, but he was more wise and calm and calculated for the most part, you know what I mean? But in the first two, he was still young and vibrant and, and in the youth part, and daring and bold and just, you know, slightly careless in, in ways, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I was 20, you know, I think Hamill was probably the same age when he was doing Star Wars, I think, you know what I mean? I mean, to me, it was just being myself as the young, eager, wide-eyed, energetic stunt person and, you know, kind of just always felt like I connected with that character on the same level. I don't know, it's like symbiotic, man. It's kind of hard to explain. It's just, that
0: was him. Well, that reminds me of a question as far as, you know, before this all happened, what made you decide to get into acting and stunts and show business in general, that this ended up being your first kind of big break?
1: Always growing up, man, I watched um, uh, when I was really little. This is going way back. uh, The Six Million Dollar Man uh, with Lee Majors. That blew my mind, you know what I mean? Um, That show, and that was the first time I really was like, ooh, and seeing that, and then seeing when I saw Star Wars, it blew my mind. I'm mean, like, I remember I was so young. My parents took me to the first Star Wars, and there was like, I remember they had an R2D2 outside the theater. So I didn't know what that was when I go when I went in. But when I came out, I knew what that what, what he was, and I was freaking out. I'm like, can I get a photo? We don't have a camera. I'm like, oh my god, you know what I mean? You know, I just want to do this. Can I? Can we come back and see this tomorrow? You know what I mean? And and so, you know, I just, at that moment, fell in love with, with movies and, you know, and and TV. You know, the Fall Guy came out with Lee Majors yet again. And I'm like, Stuntman? Oh, man, yeah, that looks awesome. I, I want to do that. I just want to be in movies. I wanna, Whether I'm a stuntman or an actor or whatever, that's what I want to do. That looks fun. I was a crazy kid growing up in Kentucky. You know what I mean? You know, motorcycles, jumping off barns, you know, high energy kid that, Drove my parents crazy. I mean, the generally, you know, humming that horn. My mom, I about drove my mom crazy, man. <laughs> So then my, my my family ended up moving from Kentucky to Florida, uh, to Orlando, Florida. And um, when I got to Orlando, Florida, you know, I, I you know, I was a little country boy. Now I'm now I'm a little going to be a surfer boy, basically. You know, you'd always see these commercials on the TV for uh, Universal Studios Florida. And I, I kept seeing all these commercials and I was like, oh, there's Wild West stunt show and all this stuff. I'm like, oh man, stunt show, Wild West stunt show. I could do stunts. I'm crazy. I'm active. I'm you know what I mean? I, I'm athletic. I, I could do that. And so finally I got a job at Universal Studios, you know, in the Merck section. But I'd always like go over there and watch the stunt show. Mind you, this only lasted for like three months, I guess. Um, three to six months. And then I remember one of these they were shooting some tv show one night there and i went up and i was like hey this is the stunt coordinator on the on the set and we're at universal studios uh, florida and I go hi my name is lee whitaker he's like hey i'm glenn wilder and it's nice to meet you and he's like, nice to meet you too sir i want to be a stunt man he goes great show up at my house saturday morning 12 30 i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay well what's your phone number sir he gave me his number i couldn't dude that doesn't happen It just doesn't happen, man. You know what I mean? It wouldn't even happen today. I would not give a kid, yeah, show up at my house, kid. I'll train you. You know what I mean? kind of thing. And this is Glenn Wilder. He was such a big Hollywood uh, icon, stunt coordinator, stunt man. Um, He he was one of the founding members of Stunts Unlimited. Him and Burt Reynolds were roommates back in college. They were best friends. You know what I mean? These guys did some crazy stuff, man. But anyways – so sure enough, Saturday morning comes up, I show up and there's like a group of like eight to 10 people training in his backyard and he's teaching you how to be a stuntman, how to throw a punch, how to take a punch, how to do falls and all this other kind of stuff, man. And so I continued that for like another six to eight months, I guess. And then that's when all of a sudden, you know, hey, do you guys hear there's going to be an audition for the George Lucas uh, live show uh, this weekend? That's kind of how that all kind of happened. I'm like, oh, I'm definitely going to go to that. I barely knew how to sword fight. Like this guy had like taught me how to fence. So I knew how to fence, right? and With foils and, and stuff like that from Glenn. He taught me in his backyard. And then another stunt guy, we, we you know, we try to do some fake katana stuff. You know what I mean? Not really knowing what we're doing. I was like, yeah, I got to try this. I just got to go for it, man. And um, I, I showed up auditioned just like everybody else yeah, I got the job. I can't believe I got the job, man. And you know, one of the guys that was running the auditions, I remember going to the bathroom and he, he was in the bathroom as well. And he goes, Hey man, you, you're doing a really good job. I'm like, really? Oh, thanks, man. And he's like, yeah, you you know, your energy and personality is something we haven't seen in a long time. Keep being yourself, man. I'm like, Oh, okay. And I just, I, I don't know how to be anything but myself, but Um, I just stayed true to
0: that for the next three days of the auditions and six months later, I got a call, man. So if we're back at super live, it's when did you guys find out it was ending? Like, was that something abrupt or did you know ahead of time that they decided not to go outside of Japan?
1: So no, we knew that the the tour had a deadline, right? So we knew that we knew that the show was going to come to an end in Japan, but we didn't know the life after Japan. And so, you know, we kept thinking, okay, we'll probably take a hiatus or something like that. And when they try to figure out what they're going to do next, and they just decided not to continue it, that I guess to them, it was too costly to continue it or bring it to the States, which I was like, yeah, but man, everybody in the States would just eat this thing up. You know what I mean? I'm just bummed that they never did. I mean, you look at now, now they have the Spider-Man touring shows and other kind of touring shows and they should have done that.
0: Well, yeah, it's like, a, it's another of the, the Lucasfilm kind of things that was kind of a, ahead of its time. Like they, they didn't know that people were going to go crazy for that stuff. And yeah, we think about that all the time. Like, you know, we didn't even know that it existed until it was long gone. And it's like, you know, man, we would be there. We follow it around city to city, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know? Well, we had, we literally had that happen. I would have, um, regular fans or whatever I would see from city to city. It was crazy. It was so cool, man. And you know, like they were selling out of Merc left and right, you know?
0: So what has it been like in all these years since? Like, do, do people come up to you and know you're in the show or do you tell people you're in the show and they don't believe you cause they don't know what it is? Like what's, what's that been like all these years?
1: It, it doesn't. It doesn't usually come up. It's rare that it ever comes up. It's rare that anybody knows about it. Like when you guys contact me, I'm, like, I'm I'm shocked because it's one of those gems that's hidden and tucked away in time. You know what I mean? Which is sad, but it's true. Like how would people from the states know about it unless it was advertised or marketed somehow? But it's you know, and thank God that some of the performers you know, put up all uh, the videos on YouTube. Otherwise, you guys probably wouldn't have heard about it.
0: Have you ever stayed in touch with anyone from anyone else from the show over the years?
1: Oh, yeah, man. Um, not everybody. Um, but Mike Massa was one of my dearest friends going in to the show because, I mean, he and I were friends in um, Florida, you know what I mean, in training. And then he, he came. He was uh, in the show as well. And my, now Mike Massa is an amazing story. Because that gentleman now has i mean he's been Superman he's been Indiana Jones because he has doubled Harrison and now he is also solo I mean he doubles Harrison man you know what I mean so for him to like i I was just blown away by that he wasn't he wasn't Han in the in the live show that we did he could have been easily, um, but they had a guy that they used um from uh, the Indiana Jones stunt show in Florida. Oh. And, um, since he was playing Indy, maybe was like, Oh yeah, well the same actor plays the same character. Just have him play that character. But Mike Massa, you know, he's, he's been doubling Harrison for a hot second now. Wow. That's so cool to be a part of the, you know, this, this kind of lineup, man. Um, so he's done really well. Nick Brandon, you know, he's done really good too. He's still in the business. He, he's, Doing uh, lots of stunt rigging and stuff like that for big movies like X Men, all the X Men's and stuff like that. Um, Nick was my first roommate in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and he was from Singapore. Uh, he's like a, he was a Brit and I lived in Singapore and was a martial artist. Like he was in a couple of Jackie Chan movies and stuff like that. Super amazing human being, man. So he's done really well. Uh, Curtis Plague, I uh, just had. I think, um, sushi with him a few months ago, he was the big, um, guy in Willow and stuff like that. And American graffiti and uh, some of the guys are, and, and gals have done really well and had some good careers and still going. And, um, some, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know where they are. You know what I mean?
0: So with you, after the show is over, you moved on to, to stunts for a while and then getting into second unit directing and stunt coordination. Like what was that? How did that go?
1: Yeah, I got in, you know, like when I came back from Japan, I, you know, it was hard, man. I mean, PTSD is real in so many facets and, you know, it's not all always just war or anything like that, but you're go, go, go every day, everything's happening. And then all of a sudden you're in, another, you're in another country and then all of a sudden you come home and you're back to a different lifestyle and, you know what I mean, you don't know what to do. Um, but I was pretty aggressive, you know, as a young guy and I went back to Universal Studios, like with everybody else and audition for the wild west stunt show that that mentally got me into the whole game and i got the job and i remember i did another live show there called x-men where i played wolverine this is way before the movies so i was wolverine way back in the day and that was cool as hell because you know reading the comics and then becoming wolverine plus i'm short because in you know in the real comics wolverines it's like 5'2 240 pounds you know what i mean much but i had a big muscle suit it was really cool Um, but then I, you know, I played that out for a year, I guess. And then, you know, me and a couple other people like Mike Massa and stuff like that, you know, we're like, Hey, let's, it's time. Let's go to Hollywood. And, you know, we all kind of shifted out, you know, by 1995 to Los Angeles and, you know, just started hustling work and picking up a little bit here and there. And the next thing you know, you're working all the time, doing cool stuff that you've always dreamed about near the movies and doing, um, gags and stuff like that. And then, uh, The natural progression of that is becoming a stunt coordinator. And then um, to me, I always kind of, even as a stuntman being on the set, I was always hanging out by the cameras and stuff like that and listening, listening to directors and how he's talking and communicating with people, how they're setting up the shots and stuff like that. And I'm just fascinated with filmmaking, you know what I mean? and because i think a part of me in, in my mind too wanted to direct i want to eventually be able to create something that you know most of these directors that i've looked up to all these years like lucas and spielberg you know and, and have my my part in that as well you know i mean in storytelling and um i started uh getting into and directing and um been doing that oh my gosh quite a while i mean i've been in the business for 30 almost 30 years now since 93 right now I just I, – I write a lot now as well. I directed my first feature finally, and I'm in post-production with that. And uh, I am I'm, I'm I tell you, man, you know, I was just in India working. I was doing second unit directing. You know, this somebody – this stranger came up to me. He's uh, just like, you have so much energy and so much passion. Are, are you new in this business? I go, no, man. I don't, I'm like 30 years in. And I, I, I tell this to everybody I talk to. I'm just as excited and passionate today as I was back when I put on my first boots for Luke. You know what I mean? It hasn't told. I mean, yeah, you go through ups and downs and it's a brutal business, man. There's a lot of rejection, a lot of waiting. But I just love it so much, man. You know what I mean? To to be able to create, to become something different, to create something different all the time and have it out there is just It's just such a cool feeling, man. It's an addicting drug, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, there is definitely some truth to if you are doing what you love, that you can. It doesn't feel like a job, and that you know you can you can do it forever.
1: You know, and I think that's why a lot of times, you know, know, a lot of people do. You know what I mean? As long as you, you know, health wise, can continue to do what you love, that that's all that matters. Um, obviously, you can't. You know, I mean, you can still do stunts when you're older, but you know, I don't want to do a car hit anymore. <laughs> I don't want to go downstairs anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hire the young kid
0: for that. Well, and it's so cool that it it all started with this chance encounter with Star Wars and the George Lucas Super Live Adventure, and you being Luke Skywalker. It's it's a very it's a very Luke Skywalker kind of story. It's really awesome.
1: It, re- it really is awesome. I, I feel so incredibly blessed, man. I I'm, I know that I must be one of the luckiest guys in the world besides Mark Hamill to be able to get that opportunity. You know, obviously Mark Hamill is the luckiest dude, you know what I mean? But for me, too, it's like even being able to be in the same room as the thought of the world of Star Wars, you know what I mean, it was such a blessing, man. And I never took it for granted. I still don't take it for granted. I still know that I was incredibly lucky. I think, you know, I still look at Lucas and I, I still think about him and Spielberg. And I now wonder, I'm like, those guys were young in their careers when they were directing and coming up with that stuff. And a lot of it was from the hip. And I was just, I'm still in awe that they, they could create like that. And I hope that one day um, I can start to create stuff that's so fantastical of an escape, our lives from our lives and then also have mentors inside that to have a message built into the films that you you change people's lives forever like yoda he's changed us forever you know there's no going back
0: i love it well i i don't know i'm just so happy that you know like you're saying so the knowledge of the george lucas super live adventure is not what it should be out there and i don't know i hope if in any way, shape, or form with talking to you today and people listening to this today, if more people seek out any information they can find on George Lucas' Super Live Adventure and you know, watch the videos on YouTube and see the amazing performance that you really did give as Luke Skywalker. I mean, that's the like we were saying in the very beginning. We were like... Who is this person? We need to know who this is. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, man, each time I grabbed that
1: sword and lit that thing up, man, it was like fire in my veins and I couldn't wait to start beating him down. (laughs) <laughs>
0: the, the passion was there and even in a, a grainy like camcorder footage from the 90s it's like you can see the passion <laughs> yeah it tra- it translates man
1: i, I wish i would have had that first show though I, if i could have seen how i pummeled him after he spoke to me man <laughs> I, you know because that's also my first show as a performer in my whole life and he was a performer before because he was a jouster like medieval times or whatever he was a tough guy and, you know, so he obviously saw that I was frozen, but I was frozen because I was staring at my lightsaber and, like, bubbly eyeballs and tears, you know what I mean? <laughs> it was cool, man. It was really cool. Hey, and, yeah, uh, the only time I ever saw anything from the Super Live thing was, I think there's something on uh, Netflix that you can watch. It's like a docu-series or something like that. Not not movies that made us or something like that, right? There's it's one of those shows, and they were talking about Star Wars, and this guy had this this room full of memorabilia and stuff like that. And as he's talking to the camera, I saw on the shelf, I saw the book, I saw my the doll that they sold during you know intermission and, and the sabers and stuff like that. Like this guy had all that stuff from the show,
0: and I think they mentioned it for a brief hot second. a lot of people know about it man we do everything we can to spread the word and i don't know we just we cannot thank you enough for having you on the show because having you and your incredible stories and it's it's a dream come true for us and you being the person you are just so incredible i don't know we're just we're overjoyed right now and yeah we can't we cannot thank you enough well thank you too man thank you for having me on here and also thanks for doing this this is amazing you know what i mean and hey,
1: you ever want me to come back? Um, you know, text me, hit me up. I'm happy to.
0: Yeah. And how can, if people want to learn more about like projects you got coming up with things you got going on, stuff you've worked on, how can people learn more about Lee Whitaker?
1: You can just go to That's I have a website, that's for my, my business, basically. Um, I'm on Twitter, I'm on the Instagram, all that stuff, too. You know what I mean? I probably do more Instagram than I do anything else, uh, especially with my upcoming film projects and stuff like that. But um, that's why I'm, I'm excited about my film that's coming up. I'm in the final stages now of my mix uh, of making this movie and that I'm super passionate about. And um, it's about, it's not a happy topic, but it's about child sex trafficking in the States. You know, it's my first film. You know, I'm trying to make sure I make my first impactful message social awareness film and uh, continue on from there and hopefully get into some sci-fi after that because I got, I got some sci-fi scripts I can't wait to do.
0: Oh man. Well, we'll, we'll be ready for those too. Yeah. We'll we'll have the link to your website in the episode show notes for real easy access for people too. So. Well, thanks fellas, man. It's been, it's been a pleasure, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. We, yeah. Again, we just cannot thank you enough. This has been an absolute treat. Yeah. This has been as enjoyable for us as uh, any, anything we've done. So (laughs) this has been really, really cool. Really, really cool. Cool.
1: Like I said, if you ever have other questions or other thoughts or something like that, just hit me back up, man. Happy to circle back.
0: Wow, that was so amazing. And the fact that, uh, Lee is just such a cool guy. Even if he wasn't Luke Skywalker, it just makes it even better. Yeah, I'm still I'm amazed. Um, so thankful for him and his stories and that he took the time to talk to us. And I'm I'm very proud of what we're doing here. Spreading the, the George Lucas Super Live Adventure love. <laughs> Props to Lee Whitaker, too. Seriously. Like what a super friendly, incredible person. I don't know i feel like we're on the right course here 305 episodes in we're, we're doing we're doing the right thing maybe <laughs> well yeah we hope you enjoyed that as much as we did and again lee whittaker thank you so much Star 2 R2D2 2 d 2 2 のこのこR2D2 points too accurate for sand people only imperial stormtroopers are so precise listening you probably know the story with apple podcasts and the reviews on there when you get done listening to this episode we would love it if you would go over there and write a little something nice about the show leave us a five-star review it helps more people find blast points when they're looking up star wars podcasts and most of all we love reading your reviews And make sure you check out our website, BlastPointsPodcast.com And you follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook And if you're on Facebook, make sure you are a member of our Super Chill group The website got the handy-dandy search feature Great place to search for all of our previous George Lucas Super Live Adventure episodes out there Instead of digging through, scrolling through Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever you use and if you want to support the show in a different way, we have got the Blast Points Army on Patreon with tons and tons and tons of bonus episodes. A couple weeks ago, we just had our big, super-sized Blast Points Q&A episode where we take all kinds of questions from members of the Blast Points Army. There's going to be a lot of stuff on the Patreon with celebration right around the corner. And everyone out there in the Blast Points Army, thank you for your support so much. But yeah, that wraps up number 305 here. Lee Whitaker, Super Live Adventure, Luke Skywalker. It's a high point in our history, like we were saying. Yeah, I think I haven't stopped smiling yet. I'm going to be sore from smiles and giggles. So it it was a good day. We love the George Lucas Super Live Adventure. I think now we can safely say we love Lee Whitaker and... We love all of you. Thank you all for listening so much. We will be back next week with another all new episode. So look forward to that. But until then, everybody, bye bye. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. Something new. (laughs) That's perfect. May the force be with all of
1: you.